0: And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, "'The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king "'who gave a wedding feast for his son "'and sent his servants to call those "'who were invited to the wedding feast, "'but they would not come. "'Again, he sent other servants, saying, "'Tell those who are invited, "'See, I have prepared my dinner. "'My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered "'and everything is ready. "'Come to the wedding feast.' "'But they paid no attention and went off, "'one to his farm, another to his business.' while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, "'The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find.' And those servants went into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests." But when the king came to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. He said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen.
1: God in heaven, we thank you for what feels like chaos without and sometimes chaos within. And we thank you that in our baptism, we are baptized into your death and resurrection, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we cannot save ourselves, but by your grace, you lift us out of chaos and make us a new creation. Teach us today by your holy word. Teach us as we reflect on these things, on these essentials, of what it means to be the church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good evening and welcome. We are learning week by week. (laughs) <laughs> day by day. Um, we, you know, we live in a brave new world, don't we? And we're just trying to figure out life one day at a time. And the same goes for us here. Our identity at St. Bart's doesn't change, our vision and our values don't change, but we're trying to make church work. So thank you for your patience. It's wonderful to see all of you here tonight. It's wonderful to be with you all who are with us online watching the video. Um, and just as a reminder, over the next several weeks, Chris and I are going to be preaching from this book called Being Christian by former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. Uh, Archbishop Williams is a really prolific writer. Uh, he's a poet. He's a deep thinker. And he's a man that loves Jesus Christ deeply. So this is a wonderful book. It's only 10 bucks. You can pick it up at Logos Bookstore or maybe your other favorite local bookstore. Or if there are no copies at all for you, Amazon. But I invite you to get the book. Read it as we journey together what these essentials of Christianity or of what the church are. And it's funny because we've been talking about essential services and all that kind of stuff. And we realize, of course, the church is essential. But when we think about the church, what is essential about the church? And so that's what we're going to be answering over the next several weeks. And I'll give you the answer now Because that's what I'm supposed to do. This is not a test. We're learning together. We're on a journey together. But the four essentials that we're going to focus on in this book, of course, we could name others, but these four are baptism, the Bible, Eucharist, and prayer. So, holy baptism, holy scripture, holy communion. And prayer. And in each one of these topics, Chris and I will take a couple of weeks, sometimes three weeks, to really answer these questions. What is the essence of each of these things? And what might people look like who do these things or who participate either in these activities or who have been recipients of these sacraments? And so tonight we have our first week about baptism. And really, largely what I'm going to talk about is the meaning of baptism. And again, I'm following. Rowan Williams here. So you could say all sorts of things about baptism, but we're going to follow his logic. And again, that's why I encourage you to get this book. But I don't know if you noticed the parable tonight of the wedding feast and what happened to that poor soul who didn't have a wedding garment at the wedding feast. He was at this feast, presumably the kind of feast that the prophet Isaiah was writing about with well-aged wine and rich food full of marrow. This sort of feast that symbolizes how God would put to death, death, how he would swallow up death forever. And so we hear this parable about this wedding feast and this man has no wedding garment. Baptism for us is like our wedding garment. Baptism and the resulting life of faith and repentance and virtue and charity, living out what God has put in us by faith. So if we're baptized and we're living that kind of life, we are indeed clothed with this wedding garment. We are indeed, and our lives are showing forth the wedding feast that we long to partake of. And as more and more we confess and repent and we put away the desires of this world, the lust of flesh and the devil, and more and more as our our lives look like God's life. doesn't mean we become God, but we become more and more like God. That wedding garment continues to inform what our lives look like. And truly, more and more, we live into our baptism. So, baptism simply means dipping or to immerse something. And some of you who maybe have grown up Baptist, you're like, ah, oh, that's right, <laughs> Immersion. Baptism simply means to dip something or to immerse something. Now, Jesus began to speak of baptism in a certain way. He talked about his suffering and death as a kind of baptism. So we see that in the New Testament. But from the beginning, William says in this book, and I would offer to you as well, from the beginning we see that baptism as a, as a sort of rite of initiation, of, of a, as a sacrament of of joining the church, that it's this intense identification with the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. William says, it's like being swamped by the reality of what Jesus endured. Dropped into the mystery that we remember on Good Friday and that we chiefly celebrate at Holy Communion. So baptism, for many of us, happened when we were very young, and we may not remember it. Or maybe some of you, like me, have been baptized more than once. So that's all well and good, but we call back and call to mind that no matter what form our baptism had, if it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's being swamped by this reality that Jesus took upon himself in order to put to death death. Moreover, the meaning of baptism can be likened to that of new creation. Think about Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. And think about maybe you've seen icons or or artwork depicting Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. And what do you recall? He's standing in the river. And the, the river doesn't look like you're in Colorado and you're about to, you know, throw some flies on top of the water. It's the river that Jesus stands in. In this baptism icon is one that is a swirling chaos, which the Jordan River, if you've ever seen it, it's not a swirling chaos of a river. It's not this rushing beautiful thing. In some parts, it's kind of like a ditch. It's a little bit like how we've, you know, diverted the Trinity and, oh, there's the Trinity. It's a ditch. That's a little bit like the Jordan River. But in the icon, Jesus steps into this swirling chaos, and from heaven comes What? A dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, descends from heaven, lights upon Jesus, and we hear this voice. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. Now when else have the people of God heard of a swirling, chaotic water and in, in the spirit like a dove hovering over the waters? In the creation narrative. And so early on in the church's life and her reflection, and thus in her preaching and her teaching and her artwork and her writings, we see that baptism became kind of like a new creation. Out of that chaos, when the wind of the Spirit blew over it, something good came forth. The world, the creation, and something ultimately very good. You and I, our creation came forth. And so similarly in baptism... There's this chaos of our lives that God's spirit broods over and draws forth from the chaos, what? It's what St. Paul would call a new creation. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man is in Christ, they are a new creation. And so baptism in its meaning is a sign of new creation. But moreover, baptism reminds us that it is a process. That salvation is a, is a process. We will one day be completely saved, but right now what? We are being saved. We've not reached the end yet. We're still striving forward and receiving from God and moving forward, keeping in step with the Spirit. And so William says this, to be baptized is to recover humanity as God intended it. In other words, baptism is a sacrament and a picture that helps us to become fully human. It's God's attempt to recover what Adam and Eve lost. William says that we've let go of that intention of being made very good. Think about Adam and Eve. When they sinned, what was the first thing they did? They hid. They ran away. They knew that God would come looking for them Presumably for fellowship, but instead of facing God, they ran and they hid. So, baptism reminds us that we're in this process of being saved, of turning from something, as Chris reminded us a few weeks ago repentance, turning from something and turning to God Almighty, who is light and life in the Giver of life. Baptism also reminds us, though, that there is chaos without. There's chaos outside of us. So, this new humanity, Williams said, is being saved, and it's not always going to be in control and successful. Exhibit A, COVID-19. Man, we're Americans, and we love us, and I'm proud of us. And we love to do the things that we have done and celebrate these, these common grace things that God has done in our midst. And yet, we are not in control. Baptism reminds us that we were never meant to be in control. It's like last week's parable. We're not the landowner, we're the tenants. So there is chaos without But if we're baptized, and if we're going to where Jesus is, who stepped into the chaos of those waters of the River Jordan in order to bring about a new creation and a new humanity, then because of Christ's life within us, because of the Spirit at work within us, because of the Father's voice speaking over us, you are my son, you are my daughter, with you I am well pleased. Because of that, we can step into the chaos. Williams says this, we're not in control and always successful, but rather that we can reach out to the chaos around us where people are at risk, where people are at enmity. Think about our world right now. We're seeing racial injustice come to a peak and we're trying to deal with that as a people. And it seems like it just gets worse and worse. But as baptized people, as the people of God, as people of this new humanity, we can reach out to others in hope. We think about the election coming up in less than four weeks. Wait, however many days it is. Somebody will you all know how many days it is. Promise I'm have a pulse right now. The election is coming up. And our country seemingly has never been more what? Divided. That chaos is is disconcerting, isn't it? But as baptized people, as people who go with our Lord into the chaos, we can step into it and speak a word of grace and peace. We have nothing to fear. So there's chaos without... But lastly tonight, those who are baptized will be unafraid to examine the chaos within. We're not afraid. We're, not, we're tempted to be like Adam and Eve and to run away. And maybe we medicate ourselves with you know, shopping or, or substances or pornography or whatever it is that we do. But eventually, as baptized people, the invitation, God's gracious (laughs) invitation from our Lord Jesus when he says, come to me all who are weary, you who are weary, and rest. Part of that invitation is to look at the chaos within and to bring it to God. And invite him to bring healing. Baptism is about bringing healing to the chaos within. It's about being with Jesus in the depths of human need, others' needs, but also our own needs. William says this, and it's about being in the depths of God's love with a Spirit as recreating and refreshing human life as God meant it to be. Friends, if you're baptized, there's an invitation from the creator of the universe to you, That whether it be the chaos without or the chaos within, for you to be swamped by the love of God. We recall that Christ's death on the cross isn't simply a gruesome act to satisfy some gruesome punishment. No, it's the deepest expression of love that there is. And so as we participate in his death and resurrection through baptism, we are receiving The depths of God's love to refresh us, to restore us, to heal us, and to remake us in his image. Let us pray. God in heaven, help us remember our baptism and be thankful. Help us as we make the sign of the cross over ourselves to remember that that sign of the cross was made over us at our baptism. And that instrument of death has become the tree of life. And that tree of life has leaves and fruit that bring healing to all nations. Grant us to be people who have been so healed. Grant us to be people who will bring such healing to those around us, especially those on the margins, especially those at enmity with one another or at enmity with us. As baptized people, we cry out to you, O God, let your kingdom come. That your will be done on earth, in our lives, in this world, in this nation, as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.